she didn't understand. She just felt, you know, we were just, you know, maybe Black Lives Matter was saying that, you know, Black Lives Matter more than everyone else's. I said, no, we're saying we want to be seen as equal. We want to be seen as human beings too. And we want to be treated the same way others are treated. My name is Jumoke Akin-Taylor. I'm a project manager with San Francisco Public Works Building Design and Construction Bureau of Project Management. So my journey started in this country at the age of 16. I'm an immigrant. I moved from Nigeria to join my auntie here to go to school. I started coming, traveling to America on holidays probably at the age of about 10, 11. I had a different view of America when I was visiting because it was holiday. It was fun, fun, fun. My aunt was here. I was younger. I was with a lot of my relatives. I came with my siblings, my cousins. So we had our own community and I had never experienced racism. I wasn't aware of racism until um, I moved here and I started going to school here. Interesting enough, it was in Washington, D.C. I would never forget. It was Roy Rogers. I was asking questions about what the meal was and the guy was, I, he was really irritated and was like, why don't you just, you know, he used some language I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't know and said, go back to your country. And I'm looking at him like, what's wrong with him? And so Debbie was my friend at that time and she was like, leave her alone, you know, and, you know, so we leave. So when Debbie pulled me out of the restaurant because the guy was being a racist, I don't know that I understood what that meant. Um, I just thought the guy was rude. He was annoying. He was just obnoxious. And I just, my question was like, what's wrong with him? You know, I didn't think there was anything wrong with me or it was because of the color of our skin. And she just pulled me out of there. I was like, we have to get food. So I think I was irritated by the fact that we left, but confused and curious with the guy's reactions. And that's how I started finding out about it and reading, uh, just trying to understand, you know, what does this mean? When I got out of college, I moved to Fairfax a County in Virginia. That's when I started experiencing racism. I started off as a site inspector and I would go on site and people would ignore me. I would ask questions, maybe demand certain things from them. And it was just like, you know, go away. Like you're not here. And um, so I used to go back to my office and I, I would meet my dad was my supervisor at that time. And I would be like, you know, I've tried to do this and they're not paying attention to me. And I, I think I was like really confused. And Dan would pull me aside and say, you know what, you, you signed the certificate of occupancy. So if they don't give you what you need, just tell them you're not signing anything. So he kind of empowered me a little bit. So I'll go back and I'm like, if you don't give me this report, this report, I'm not signing any, you know, your progress to move forward. And they still looked at me like, you have no power, right? And I was like, they were very condescending. They talked down to me. They would pretend they didn't hear um, what I was saying or they couldn't understand me. So I, be I became so self-conscious of my accent at that time. Dan pulled me aside and said, there's an opportunity in the main office that he had put my name in for, and he felt I would be better suited for that. So he got me out of that environment. 
So as a black woman and even an immigrant in the construction industry, I've always felt that I didn't have a voice. I've always felt ignored. I've always felt like, you know, I was just people did not notice me or if they noticed me, they chose to ignore me. And I would say something like maybe like a suggestion and, you know, they'll move on. And then someone else would say, you know, that same thing maybe. And then it's like, yeah, that's a great idea. And even in public works, I remember that used to happen to me a lot. And uh, Douglas, who is retired, would now speak up and say, but Jay has a very good idea. You know, Jay said to so-and-so. And, you know, he, he would like almost always advocate uh, for me, you know, to make my voice heard. So it got to points that I just stopped, you know, I, I even stopped um, contributing to, to meetings because I felt there was no point. I initially felt I was the only black employee at Public Works that was feeling ignored or left out. And then I started hearing conversations, very similar stories from others. And, you know, someone would come into my office, close the door, and they're frustrated, and they would share their story. And then it became like almost we were taking this, the story from the same playbook. It was, how can this happen? And it wasn't once, it wasn't twice. It was over and over again. It was the same story. No matter what unit they were in, the stories were the same. So we started meeting on Thursday afternoons at noontime to pray and to just help each other get through the, the, the week or through some of the challenges we were facing. And we started discussing what can we do to kind of make it better and Black History Month celebration came up and we said, look, let's do something because there are a lot of Blacks that has done significant things that people are not aware of in this unit, right? So we, we talked about Charles Brooks who invented a street sweeper. And so we, we kind of collated that to the yard that that would be an interesting thing for people to, to hear about. And we talked about Mr. Horace who was an engineer but he wasn't a trained engineer who had built the first bridge. So we started talking about all the significant contributions. And then every year we took different disciplines and just kept expanding on it. And we saw that people were interested and it was like people did not know because these are not thought in history books, right? So that was very important to us. And the reception from Public Works employees encouraged us to just keep improving on it and building on it. I think the Black History Month celebration helped people see us in a different light. They started to see us maybe in a, a leadership position because we coordinated those things and we executed it and um, gave them a different perception of us. You know, the current event, it's changing the political landscape, even the, the landscape of things. I have three black men. My eldest is 33 and the youngest is 22. And they've dealt with this all their lives. We've dealt with it all our lives. You know, it, it just became something you handle. My kids are not allowed to wear hoodies. Uh, they're not allowed to wear kneecaps when they're driving. Uh, they're not allowed to talk back to anyone, you know, they grew up very restricted. Uh, and um, I remember telling them, we'll worry about your rights when you are alive. So when you get stopped, 
don't say what just put your just put your hands up from a very early age you know they were thought never to speak back and just yes sir yes ma and uh to suppress their rights never to exert their rights in situations like that and i remember buying my first son when it was time for him to own a car i bought him a station wagon because i never wanted him to be profiled and pulled you know just pulled over because of the kind of car he was driving and i did the same thing for the baby um, i bought him like a small mazda 3 because i was very conscious of the kind of car my kids drove and so when all this started happening you know we felt okay change is coming but with it, in that same time period in 2020 My 22-year-old son is followed his videotaped in my neighborhood and someone is accusing him of stealing his sister's bike. And this is in 2020. This is in May 2020. And I've lived in this subdivision for 10 years. And so he, we're still facing that. I was in um in one of the the home improvement stores and the lady is looking at me like i stole plants that i'm trying to return right this is in 2020 in the midst of all this now i had my receipt in my hand and i'm trying to prove no these are the plants i didn't put in my car and i'm you know trying to convince her to go with me to the car to go check if i have the plants in the car this is what we deal with on a daily basis this has just become part of life that i don't get upset about it but with everything that is happening you know it kind of gives you hope that people are taking notice people are beginning to understand that this is the life that blacks have been living and this is what has been caught on camera for the whole world to see but we've always lived this life i just explained to someone a few days ago what black life matters really mean she didn't understand she just felt you know we were just you know maybe black lives matter was saying that you know black lives matter more than everyone else's i said no we're saying we want to be seen as equal we want to be seen as human beings too and we want to be treated the same way others are treated because we are not treated that same way and so she understood that and uh, so i was glad that i had the opportunity to provide that education this is a this is a good start i think the conversations need to continue we just need to be patient um uh, with each other and I, i don't get irritated when people ask me questions like that it just gives me an opportunity to share with them what they would not otherwise have known Thanks for listening to Snapshots, a public works podcast. Have a good one. Take care.